0: we bring you an exclusive interview with Rebecca Salden a women's football sponsorship expert she shares her insights from previous tournaments and she explains exactly how this year's Euros will be the biggest women's football tournament yet
2: hello and welcome to lesson 2 of series 2 of 21 for 21 uh, podcasts all about everything going on in the sport media world the biggest thing in the sport media world right now of course is the women's euros which is set to kick off on Wednesday 6th of July hosted in England um, very quickly we'll get into this but my name is Jamie Coles I'm in Barcelona I'm joined as ever by Stuart Levy Stuart how are you doing
0: yeah, all, all good. Um, I mean, yeah, we've m- mentioned in our episode before you're in Barcelona. I, I mean, Dusseldorf, but this is one well, one week where maybe we both wish we were back in England, such as the hype and the excitement about the, the women's Euros that's just about to get started.
2: Absolutely. Uh, I, I've been following, of course, European women's football for the last couple of seasons quite closely, working with Barca. Uh, now we've got an international stage. Spain have Set to be favourites. Nine Barca players called up for Spain, but I think the ones to watch are the, the Lionesses, uh, England at home. And yeah, I think some with the, big big uh, names
0: in that for, team. For a home tournament, you're right, with even more established names like, of course, the, the traditional captain, Steph Halton, not even being, uh, I mean, though she's had some injury issues, but she, she's fit and she's, she's been left out, as is the, the strength and depth for Sabrina Wiegmann and her, and her Lionesses. So now it'll be a, a great festival of football uh for us to watch it's honestly the all the main tv channels here in germany and i, I guess in, in spain it's got a really good broadcasting deal as well um yeah absolutely. Guess, all so, the
2: spain matches are on on free to view national tv great. Uh, so that was yeah certainly a big thing here and i imagine in other countries with this kind of boom we're seeing in women's football we'll, we'll see something similar
0: yeah no, i mean the previous women's euros was was five years ago obviously this the, the has been delayed one year due to the pandemic but in, in the netherlands there was record attendances um and uh, record tickets sold and in england they hope to double that there maybe have been some issues about not the very biggest stadiums being selected but i think full stadiums in smallest venues maybe looks for a better better atmosphere than slightly more people but emptier yeah, big stadiums um, but no i think what's interesting about my my chat with rebecca who's a women's sponsorship, women's sports sponsorship expert. I'm sure she's a um, really, really experienced, sharing her, her her knowledge of the women's game. She's explaining exactly why what might be different about this, because in previous women's World Cups, there's been maybe um, people who watch the big games and then it drops off. But she, she really thinks that the time is now for women's sports. That post the Euros, the interest will is, is here to stay. And this is really interesting ideas she shares with me, uh, which uh,
2: are coming up coming up in the episode. Yeah, so uh, maybe we shouldn't uh, beat around the bush too much then, as it were, uh, and get straight into it. So earlier this week, Stuart spoke with Rebecca Seldon, as you've said, um, deals with the sponsorship side of things, which is kind of an interesting uh, side of things. We, we talk quite a lot about media rights and broadcast rights as well. Um, I do feel like this is one of those uh, competitions that there's a lot of excitement around it in various different areas and, and we could talk about all sorts of different things let alone the football itself
0: yeah there's i mean the another interesting one is, is tiktok we, we've we touched on it before in, in our episodes how they've continuing their sponsorship from the men's euros into into the women's euros and she also shared a really cool example from from budweiser and how they have previously uh, activated their agreement with the with the u.s women's team so again not directly link, linked to the euros but still a really cool example of how women's sport doesn't have to follow what the men's sport did 10 years ago it can and possibly should create its own its own path
2: brilliant so without further ado then let's have a listen to the interview that stuart did earlier this week with rebecca Surin.
0: so I, i'm joined now by Rebecca Soden, who is as well as a former international player. She is the founder of Team Heroin. Rebecca, thank you for joining us.
1: Great to be here, and I'm really excited to talk about all the football action and women's world that's coming up.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, of course, we're mainly going to talk about the upcoming women's Euros, which we'll, we'll get to later. But this is, as we've touched on before, this has been a, a huge year for, for women's sport and women's football in particular already.
1: Yeah, it's been uh, record-breaking moments throughout the year. Obviously, in terms of football, um, the Women's Champions League was a huge success. You know, I think week after week for about a month there, we were hearing about record-breaking crowds. And I was fortunate enough to be at the Barcelona versus Wolfsburg game at Camp Nou in Barcelona. And the atmosphere and experience was just uh, one of the best things I've ever experienced. And you could just feel the sense of pride at breaking these records and this new movement to support women's football so it felt like not just a one-off but a real movement and kind of setting the tone moving forward Uh, obviously you know there's so much activity happening with euros coming up the COM games the first tour de femmes ever so it's a really exciting time in women's sport um, particularly women's football with some huge events and and some great records um, and performances this year already
0: yeah, so your, your your company then, so you're involved in the in the sponsorship and the marketing of some of these events, or are you working more more with the athletes? So how how is an average day for, for Rebecca? Yes.
1: At so it came about, Team Heron came about two years ago, really. I was watching the FIFA Women's World Cup in France and, you know, along with a billion other people and, and just the excitement and, and the opportunity around that. And I still couldn't believe that more sponsors hadn't clued on to how big women's sport was becoming and the opportunity around it and those that were involved or sponsoring seemed to be doing a copy and paste job of their men's sponsorships, so or just kind of rolling out the same model for women's football um and missing huge opportunities given the different product nature of the two uh, so yeah i started advocating for women's sport sponsorship um you know some marketing looking at best case marketing differences between men and women's sport and evolved into a business where I've been helping different brands so sponsors. I was involved um, helping advise the team at Zero, who just announced their FIFA women's football sponsorship, which will include the, the up and coming World Cup um, and uh, all the other tournaments. So really a huge opportunity and an amazing company and brand, which I think is really going to help drive the women's football space forward. Um, really collaborative, get it um, and engage. So that's great. And yeah, I just help a number of other brands through consulting um, insights around you know cricket world cup leverage um, i'm helping a number of the new zealand football firms with brand partnerships and the lead up to the football world cup down in new zealand um so yeah it, i think the nature of women's sport at the moment there's a lot of testing and learning uh, evaluating the opportunities. so it's a lot of uh you know different different kind of job every day which is fantastic depending on the needs
0: and I'm sure a, a home world cup for your, your successors in, in the New Zealand national team will be a, an amazing experience next yeah. year. Um, so you touched on sort of briefly just then the differences between men's and, and women's sports. Can you, um, is that in terms of the, maybe the, the different fan base or different image of the athletes or how, just from a, a marketing point of view, are you sort of aiming to differentiate between the two? Cause I guess you're right at, at first, maybe women's sports sponsorship was, almost a CSR task, but Mm -hmm. now it's really showing its value independently.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think, um, yeah, you do need to treat them as different products. Obviously, men's sport has been around for decades and decades longer than women's sport. Um, And it's always been, because it's primarily been a men's sport and it's been viewed from a male lens um, and set up in that regard. So there's all these structures and systems that kind of have helped men's sport thrive and Anything that's been inferior or different to that, what the ultimate men's sport, is or whatever has been, secondary or inferior. However, you know, now we have kind of seen the growth of women's sports, we need to treat it as a different product, a little bit like a startup. So, of course, success doesn't happen overnight. You know, men's sport has taken 50, 60 years to get to where it is today. I think first uh, Super Bowl, you know, had a completely empty stadium, but of course, you know. 40, 50 years later with the growth, um, it's now packed out. So, you know, we have to have the investment uh, and, and resource behind it up front. But when I say the different products, yeah, from an audience point of view, obviously naturally from a playing point of view, yes, women might not be as strong or as fast as men's, but, you know, there's different opportunities in a game. Um, people see the players as more relatable. There's research out saying people find women's sport more inspiring, uh, more down to earth, more inclusive you know, very desirable attributes for a brand to align with. So from a branding point of view, it's a very different product um, and a different opportunity for brands to men's sport, um, and particularly around, I guess, when you're looking at the marketing funnel, you know, men's sport typically at, at the elite level, you know, the premiership or whatever it might be, has huge reaching eyeballs. So a lot of sponsors are still buying that space for, you know, if they're launching your new, new product or trying to get awareness with that brand. Because uh, it's delivering those high-reaching numbers as well, obviously, as well as the consideration and the alignment from a sponsorship. Whereas women's sport, the big opportunity I see is uh, around that consideration part of the model. Hey, we've got these great brand values that we can align to. Uh, let's, you know, align our brand brand with that and get all the positive brand rub that comes being alongside women's sport. You know, and it's a great platform to tell those brand stories, be it you know, gender equality, I'm in a progressive brand, um, forward thinking, all those different attributes that women's sports offers. As well as that for brands, we know the audience is different. So women's sport has a more even gender split. So depending on the sport, it sits around 50-50, whereas men's sport has a, you know, 70, 80% male skew. So again, huge different opportunity to pull in more female fans. You know, when you look at household shoppers, um, women are going to, uh, own 80% of consumption decisions in the next five years. So if you're wanting to target people through their passion of sport, you know women's sport is a great alternative to do that. And we're seeing the brands that are backing women's sport early getting the results as well. So I know you mentioned there about CSR. It's definitely moved on from that. We're seeing research out of the States with the likes of Budweiser around the National Women's Soccer League getting twice the consideration from women's sports fans that they do with men's sports. So we know women's sports, back brand, women sports fans, back brands who support women's sports. So if you' want to increase your brand loyalty, women's sports is a great place to play.
0: Yeah you know, this is something that I'm sure uh, Jamie, my co-host, he what well, he he mentioned, so he he sort of works a lot with bus owner w- women's team, and he's got a really he himself has got a really small and but, but passionate and committed fan base. We're always nagging him on Twitter for the latest news and the latest updates around the team. So it is really interesting to see how, how the, the, the women's sport fan base is, is developing differently from men's. did. Because, again, you mentioned the Super Bowl, the men's sports team fan base has been built up over such a, a long mm-hmm. period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the women's sport fan base is exploding at the time of, of the Internet and, uh, and social media
1: exactly and i think um again going back to women sports specific fans you know they do have different fan behaviors so we know they um are more passionate about social cause so you know the WNBA um big advocates for the likes of black lives matter we see when they post or do something around that you know engagement spikes so we know that's a key compa- component to women sports fans they ha- they care about social cause um in terms of their behaviors they're very uh, socially native because they've had to be. So again, if you're a women's sports fan and you wanted to watch your team play a game, you know, the, up until particularly the last year or so, it's not been on mainstream TV. It's been hard to access. It might not have even been filmed. Um, so you're having to find dodgy links or, or social media updates to get get the score results. Unlike men's sport, which has a um, bigger platform, better broadcast. So these women sports fans have been hanging around social media and on digital um, and have become early adopters in the space. So again, you know, opportunities around, you know, innovation, being first to test things with women sports fans, making sure when you're thinking about campaigns that, yes, they have a socially led, um, you know, socially led idea behind them. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a different product in terms of all those components from fans to brand opportunities um, to even how you leverage it and again I spoke about you know this head start that men's sport has had so you know any person in the world could probably name five of the top men's football players in the world you know Ronaldo Messi even if you're not a football or sports fan but when it comes to women's football of course because they haven't had the exposure we don't know them as as well so even as a women's football fan you know I can probably only name 15 uh, women's footballers, you know, because again, that lack of exposure, I, I don't know them through the news coverage um, or through TV. So when we're looking to leverage that, you know, a lot of the advice I give is let's create personal connection with fans and these players, because that's what's going to pull new fans into the sport and into into your sponsorship. So it's all about trying to grow familiarity, to these players telling their stories. Um, so that might look like compared to men's sport, you know, it might be more of the logo exposure stuff, hey, let's create some content that tells the story of one of these players, um, develop that emotional connection. So it's a different way of of leveraging it as well.
0: Yes, I guess it's still the opportunity still is the, the potential, of course, just to bump into um, a, a women's a top wins sports star in the supermarket or in the in, in, out and about. So I guess that's still that, that personal react, um, relationship you can... The more more attainable it's more more achievable to that they're more a regular person in in some way yeah. despite these um incredible sporting ability and, and athletic feats
1: yeah so, exactly and I think um that's one of the positive attributes that brands media need to tap into you know they are more relatable they're not on these multi-million dollar um, week salaries you know they are more like um, you and I and you know that comes across um, and I think people like to see that and you know we've seen the backlash from You know men's football particularly you know with the the breakaway league and you know is it kind of losing its roots so i think again you know women's football is a great outlet that it still has that um nice uh you know brand and and kind of component to it that many of the top men's leagues don't have so again a different opportunity for brands and um, sponsors to get behind
0: so, is there a particular example of a really great marketing campaign using using women's sports or women's football, um, either around the upcoming Euros or I know you mentioned Budweiser before in in America? Is there a particular example I can talk about and how it how it worked?
1: Yeah, around the Euros um, or just yeah, in general football. Well, I think the the thing I like to see around women's sports and and what I spoke to again is it's at a different stage uh, cycle with women's sport. You know, we need to learn the players more. It's not like men's sport where you're paying huge megabucks for a sponsorship. We need to extract as much value as possible out of it. The best place women's sport sponsors can play at the moment is how are you going to add to the women's sport ecosystem? Be it through you know, helping uh, the, the ecosystem get more investment, helping increase participation numbers, you know, helping athlete well-being, putting marketing spend... What role can you play that will add and fuel this women's sports world to thrive? Not only is that great for women's sport, but you as the brand, I guess, look like a superhero that, hey, we're actually a genuine contributor in the space. We want to grow the game. Um, You know, fans can kind of see that out. And again, if you play in this space, you're not only adding to women's sports, but you're getting the return, as we've seen out of the research, that two times um, brand loyalty. So I always encourage brands to what can you do? And it, you know, there's so many different ways you can do that in entertainment. Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be about the big female empowerment ads. I think the last World Cup in France, you know, there were so many, I mean, they were great. And there were these high production, dramatic, you know, ads and inspiring the next generation, see a beer and female empowerment. And yeah, sure, that's great. But, you know, you can still go with um, being as effective with fun and humour and sarcasm as well. So I think that's another thing to, to consider as well. And I think that's why I liked the um, Euros Lionesses Squad announcement. You know, it was slightly different. They did a fun little play uh, announcing the Lionesses Squad. You know, it went back to grassroots and bringing the community in and rallying the nation to support the Lionesses. But it just felt a little bit different and quirky. And, hey, I'll check that out. Um, But some of the best-case examples of women's sports sponsorship I've seen is the likes of go back to Budweiser in the States – After the FIFA Women's World Cup, you know, every four years in America, women's football goes like this viewership, but when they come back, it drops off again, and you you see empty crowds at the National Women's Soccer League. So um, Budweiser wanted to kind of make sure these big sponsors around the World Cup who were there kind of continued their support, and they wanted to drive investment, continued investment in the game. So Budweiser created this amazing campaign called The Unofficial Sponsor, and they created kind of mock advertisements to get other categories into back the national women's soccer league. So they had, they used star Megan Rapino. She was doing a deodorant, a mock deodorant ad like, like this. Hey, you could have your brand here. You know, are you a deodorant sponsor? You could be the next sponsor of the national women's soccer league. So they actually use their marketing sponsorship budget to encourage other brands to help the national women's soccer league invest in the game. You know, great for the game and you know such a fun quirky campaign and something so different it got so much pr um people noticed it again they got the return from fans and the great result they ended up getting six new sponsors across the league and and continuing that support so that's a great example of a brand adding to the system but doing it in a really clever way um, so i recommend checking out that that campaign Budweiser's unofficial sponsor campaign
0: Stay tuned to hear all about Rebecca's predictions of What's going to happen on the field At this year's Euros after this quick break
2: With Lucky Land Slots You can get lucky just about anywhere
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here We were getting lucky in the limo When we lost track of time
0: No, Lucky Land Casino With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? <sighs> Ooh, a book club. <sighs> so we mentioned, again, that was after the Women's World Cup, so three years ago now in in, in France. And we've got the, the Women's Euros starting in, in a few days, could even be today, depending on when we publish the episode. But <laughs> when we're talking, it's not, not quite yet. Do Even though this is just a European event, mm-hmm. do you expect the media attention, certainly in Europe, to be larger than the World Cup was just three years ago?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, women's sports three years has been huge growth. Um, I think that World Cup in France was um, a tipping point for all women's sport. You know, we saw huge viewership at that event, but it actually had a flawn effect with all women's sports and kind of lifted the tide up. So I think, yeah, in terms of women's sports, it's moving so quickly that even six months different, you know, the game can have moved on so far. So I don't think people realise how big the Euros are going to be. I think there's this real demand and appetite for live sport. Um, there's great things. Everyone's, you know, post-COVID world said about travelling to the games, you know, supporting women's sport. And I think we've had the perfect run-up in terms of, you know, huge women's Super League in the UK, record viewership numbers, you know, the quality of football is next level. It's, It's been a new era on the field that we've seen and I think we'll see that continue over to the euros um, again you know you look at the women's Champions League um how what that's done for football and women's sport you know designed it a fantastic campaign there they they launched all the coverage free on YouTube um, and have seen some fantastic viewership numbers but again the football quality is something I've just never seen before it's just next level and again the support you know every week in the Champions League we were hearing about Record-breaking crowd, so I think it's got this perfect momentum um, to lead into this event. It's you know, going to be great weather. We've got home team, the Lionesses, in the UK. We know it's a massive footballing nation. So I think even the media don't quite realise how big it is going to be until we're in it. And the streets going to be alive in the UK, and it's going to be great goals, and it's just going to have this massive flawn effect. I think too, um, you know what we're seeing out of the likes of the BBC. So we know with women's sport, free-to-air coverage is essential to growing it, you know, to using the news clips across multiple platforms. And the BBC have just announced their comprehensive coverage. And, you know, I'm just so impressed they've got over 40 media experts fronting the coverage for a start. You know, some of the top talent, um, they're gonna have a daily podcast. They're gonna have pretty much every game free on their main BBC one and BBC Two channels. They've got a documentary with Alex Scott. Going to have highlights behind the scenes across, you know, TikTok, YouTube. So I think, you know, coming in, it's kind of this chicken and egg scenario. People say no one watches women's sport, but we know it has an accessibility issue. So what we're seeing out of the lights of BBC um, is just going to make it so much more accessible for people and drive that hype. Um, and I think another thing I'm excited about is TikTok. They've become a really big player in women's sport. They got behind um, the Six Nations Rugby, Burnley FC, um, support Portland Thorns in the US, um, Extreme E, which has a big equality component to it. And they came on board as the Euros sponsor last month. And I think what that's gonna do um, in terms of pulling in casual fans is gonna be huge across the globe. You know, they've got a massive platform and massive user base, particularly younger generation, that they can feed in little entertaining bits Off the football field, too, you know, bringing that culture side, it's going to appeal to new people. They're going to get to learn the players. And then when the tournament ends, they're going to continue to follow it. Um, And I think, you know, they're looking to do some really creative content out of the tournament, um, you know, outside of the pitch cameras that BBC will be doing, the behind the scenes, you know, off field stuff. So I'm really excited to see what comes out of that. But I think, you know, we're going to see a lot of records broken, um, you know, that's set to be the most viewed. Tournament in the UK, which I have no doubt will happen. I think it will even come close to some of those World Cup numbers um, because even though it's a European event, you know, so many countries in Europe are mad football nations. But because of the quality and the hype around women's football at the moment, it's going to appeal globally to um, most nations.
0: You know, the TikTok partnership during the, the men's Euros l- last summer was really interesting because, as you say, they were an official partner. So you could act out. Or recreate f- f- famous moments from from the games because it was a fully licensed partner. So I think the TikTok account, in just two weeks after being created, had more followers than the Twitter account of, of, of yeah. the Euros. So it would be great to see that that continue for for the women's Euros this summer. Definitely. Um, so how could this tournament be viewed as a success? Is it will it be just if the records are broken at the time, mm-hmm. like, or will it be only know if it's a success? next year, if people in Mm -hmm. Europe are setting their alarms for 2am to watch the tournament in in Australia and New Zealand, how can we really judge this as being a success?
1: Yeah, and I think I alluded to earlier that, you know, in the US, they get this massive surge every World Cup, the whole nation gets behind the, the National Women's Soccer League, and then it kind of dies down. And we see this with major events, huge spikes in women's sport. But I think the success factor again will be ensuring when it goes up, you know, even though it'll be a major event, the interest comes down. But to a, a higher level than what it was previously. Um so I think yeah it's all about um that event but maintaining the interest. So you know it's about producing content that people can continue after these big spikes to be engaged with, having an always on presence. So it's like, oh cool keeping those casual fans interested. And again that doesn't have to be just football content, you know personality driven content, um storytelling that keeps people engaged. So yeah, for me, it's it's definitely um, ensuring that spike doesn't drop back to the lower levels. It's ensuring it's maintained higher, but also continuing that always on presence. I think too, it's it's not just about the viewership and you know how many people are attending. I think success for me will be more sponsors in the space. So going, wow, that was an amazing event. Look, you know, this is what um, investing in women's sport as a sponsor can do, all that great coverage, and then fueling, all women's sports investment and sponsorship from there. So I think for me, it'd be pulling in more sponsors um, and also enticing the media. So again, you know, media coverage only gets a fraction of coverage that men's sports gets, around 15% typically. Um, So I think, you know, once we get all these journalists going out to meet all the players, like the hype, the buzz, seeing that the interest is there, again, this chicken and egg scenario, that they'll go, oh, hey, I love these players. There was demand, let's continue to, Cover them throughout the year and domestic competitions or or other events or personal stories. So raising that fifteen percent um, and keep driving it forward. So yeah, I think it's definitely a um, a fluid uh, continuum and and yeah, one that that will be kind of judged whether it's a success.
0: Right. So uh, on the field, then we'll go slightly away from the sponsorship topic. Do you have any? Uh, any, any tips? Any any, any predictions for, for what we're what we're about to see in these next next few weeks in England? Will will the home nation
1: uh-huh. win?
0: I I think they're the favourites. One of the favourites, at least, I would say.
1: Yeah. yeah, the the big questions, right? It's always hard to know. I think with major events like this, it's kind of anyone's game because you know rising to the occasion. Um, you never quite know what's going to happen um, in these big moments. But you know, I think I'd love to see. Obviously, the lionesses at home do well, and I think they're going to really get uplifted by the home crowd. So I'm hoping um, that they'll do well. You know, obviously, I'm keeping an eye on Spain. You know, I think, you know, the way Barcelona performed in the Champions League and and some of the best players in the world at the moment, I think they're going to be a strong contender, and just the style of play at the moment is just unbelievable. Um, And then you've got always your powerhouses, you know, your Frances, your your Netherlands. But I think predictions um, from just an overall view. I think people don't realise quite how big this is going to be. I know there's been a lot of talk. Um, The first, the England Games have sold out, but I think once it hits, everyone's going to get FOMO. Um, The rest of the tickets are going to sell out. Everyone's going to come out to the fan zones, tune in. Uh, It's going to get, you know, substantial media coverage. So I can't underestimate the impact on culture and society that the buzz is going to have. Um, And, yeah, I'd encourage anyone also, too, to have a go on the, the football fantasy um, game around the Euros. It's the first time an official football fantasy game has been launched. And great to see, again, Sterling Bank coming on board to do that. Again, as I spoke about, a great place for sponsors to play. They're adding to this ecosystem by you know enabling women's sports fans to be able to engage with the players in the game in this way. But it's going to help people further engage with women's football and learn more about the players. So it's a great development. For the sport, and I think selling Bank have done really well there. So, even if you don't know the players or, or have um, know who's going to win, I encourage everyone to get on that and just give it a go and and support that development.
0: Yeah, I think uh, a fantasy league is almost part of the excitement and the anticipation that we're we we're used to around sport. Because certainly in the men's men's Premier League, the fantasy mm-hmm. Premier League so is such, such a huge a huge worldwide game. So the fact that those casual fans will Thing, oh, women's euros is there a fantasy league and there is, it, it almost adds to that legitimacy and it adds to that um the, the scale of the event. that of course it's a big event, of course there's a there's yeah. a fantasy league.
1: Yeah, I think you touched <laughs> on something there. It's that legitimacy, you know, every more men's competition has it. And you know, for me I've kind of been forced to play um the men's football fantasy and you know, I don't have as much interest in that. So it's like, oh yeah. Whereas I'm like, yes, you know, I can um now get back on my friends who might know know the women's game as well as the men's and, and not finish bottom of the table um and yeah it's just for me that just is so much more interesting so i think again giving that type of engagement and opportunity to existing women's football fans but as you said pulling in new fans the um people who like the gamification side of sport you know of course it's going to be fun pull them in through that and then become fans of the wider game
0: no, so I'll, I'm sure Jamie and myself will certainly be be playing it against each mm. other, and then we'll uh, we'll come back to it in a few few podcast time to see who is the 21 nice. for 21. Yeah, um, real fair competition, fair fantasy champ definitely. Um, so Rebecca, thank you again so much for 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 your time. We've already had almost 21 lessons from you already but as we as we always do on this podcast we ask for just one 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 lesson for for sport and media uh, going forward so is there, what, is, is there a way you could sum up everything you've talked about or maybe something else as your your lesson for sport and media
1: yeah for me particularly in the women's sport world i would say don't be afraid to be bold and go on an uncharted territory um you know i think for women's sport you know the traditional take on men's sport is not going to work. We need to fast track women's sport um, at a quicker rate than it's been happening. And that requires bold thinking, bold execution. So for me, it's don't be afraid to be bold and do something that hasn't already been done before because women's sports needs it. And if it works, you're going to get the biggest rewards and stand out the most.
0: Great, um, so again, thank you for your time. Is there anywhere our listeners can can find you? Any social media or or the Team Heron website? Where would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm
1: pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, so I'm always doing analysis on women's sport marketing campaigns and, and news. So follow me there on LinkedIn, Rebecca Sowden, S-O-W-D-E-N. And also check out my Team Heron website, Teamheron.com. You can sign up to my monthly women's sport sponsorship and marketing newsletter there to stand in the know and, and stay ahead of the women's sport game.
2: So thanks again to Rebecca for speaking with Stuart, joining us on the podcast. Uh, unfortunately I wasn't able to join, but it was a really interesting conversation. Um so yeah, thank you to you as well, Stuart, for for setting that up because it was a uh, yeah. It's nice to hear about these different sides of things ahead of these major yeah, she competitions. she definitely really,
0: really knows the stuff, Rebecca. She's certainly very, very passionate, like we all are, about the sport. But her, her knowledge of of the sponsorship industry, we I learn a lot, and I hope you guys listening, listening at home did too.
2: Absolutely. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for further episodes of Twenty One for Twenty One. Be sure to make sure. Well, if you don't want to miss anything, make sure you like and subscribe and uh, and yeah, find us on social media as well. Thanks a lot.
1: Sports social Podcast Network.
0: Okay, round two. name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club.